Today is Thursday, December 5th, 2019. On this day in 1873, Bridget Landrigan was found beaten and strangled to death in Boston, Massachusetts. Witnesses described a figure wearing a black cape standing menacingly over her body, but he fled the scene before they could see his face. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the murder of Bridget Landrigan, the first victim of Thomas Piper, also known as the Boston Belfry murderer. Piper was a notorious killer who made headlines for a brutal string of murders and assaults in the Boston area from 1874 to 1875. Let's go back to Boston on the winter evening of December 5th, 1874, a few hours before 9 p.m. Twenty-four-year-old Thomas Piper walked with his brothers to Warren Avenue Baptist Church in Boston. Piper worked there as the sexton, taking care of the church, its grounds, and its cemetery. But tonight, the Canadian-born brothers were going to attend an evening mass. As they neared their destination, Piper stopped. He told his brothers that he suddenly felt ill, it might be better if he returned home to nurse his upset stomach. Piper had no intention of going straight home, however. After they parted ways, his first stop was to purchase materials for a rather unusual drink. A numbing concoction of whiskey and opium. It was a self-prescribed treatment for his kidney disorder, a disorder he had suffered from since childhood. Despite the cocktail's ability to potentially produce vivid hallucinations, he finished the drink before heading home. Once he arrived home, Piper began to search for a weapon. He scoured the house before finding a piece of wagon shaft in his basement. He sawed the shaft from its bearings, crafted it into a club, and stole off into the night. Piper wandered the streets of Boston with the club masked beneath his clothing, looking for a victim. He didn't get far, however, before he was interrupted by a fire alarm. He hid his weapon beneath a nearby fence. Then he went to check what was going on. Fires often drew crowds, and he needed to seem inconspicuous tonight. If he appeared to be a concerned citizen, all the better. When he arrived, he was greeted by his brothers. They too had heard the alarm and stopped on their way home from mass. It was here, talking with his brothers on the corner of Codding and Stoughton, that a young woman walking on the other side of the street caught Thomas Piper's eye. Bridget Landrigan, a young maidservant, was on her way back to her mistress's home after a night out with friends unaware of the eyes that were fixated on her every move. 
Piper said goodbye to his brothers. He once again told them he was heading home to bed. While he did rush to his house, Piper snuck out the back door and went to fetch his weapon from under the fence. Then, still dressed in all black and wearing his favorite flowing cape, Thomas Piper hid himself in the darkness of Boston's streets. He found Bridget Landrigan again near Glover's Corner, but it wasn't the right time to act. The street was busy. He followed her down the secluded back streets. When Bridget Landrigan reached the dark, abandoned Columbia Street, she heard footsteps getting unusually close behind her. She turned around to see who was there, but it was too late. Piper struck her over the head with his weapon. She fell to the ground, and he struck her once more. The force of the blows, combined with the impact of the fall, shattered her skull. It was enough to kill her, but Piper may have strangled and stabbed Landrigan as well. What was about to happen next was even more sinister. A man walking down Columbia Street came upon Piper, stooping over Landrigan's dead body, apparently about to sexually assault her. But Piper took off at first sight of the man. He hopped a fence and headed towards the nearby railroad, taking a roundabout route home to lose anyone that might be pursuing him. Before arriving, he disposed of the knife that he had carried with him. Then, not an hour after telling his brothers he was heading to bed, he finally crawled under his blankets and fell asleep. Up next, the investigation of Bridget Landrigan's murder. Now, back to the story. On the night of December 5, 1873, the body of Bridget Landrigan was found beaten and strangled to death in Boston, Massachusetts. A man walking past saw a figure in a black cape stooping over her lifeless body. He alerted the cops immediately. At the time, the police had no idea the killer walked among them. He was the sexton of Warren Avenue Baptist Church, Thomas Piper. The investigation into Bridget Landrigan's death began that night. Among those called into question was Piper himself. He was known for wearing a black cape, as well as Bridget Landrigan's ex-sweetheart, Thomas Cahill. Cahill roused suspicion when, shortly after the murder, he traveled back home to Ireland. But after extradition and questioning, in a strange, unrelated twist of fate, Cahill was murdered upon his return to Ireland. All of their suspects were discharged due to lack of evidence, including the real killer, Thomas Piper. Piper's alibi was supplemented by character testimony. His fellow parishioners couldn't believe that such a kind man could be capable of such a heinous crime. But Bridget Landrigan's murder was just the beginning of Thomas Piper's violent behavior. In 1874, Piper met a prostitute on LaGrange Street in Boston by the name of Mary Tyner. 
He shared a bed with Tyner. Then, in the middle of the night, he smashed her head in with a blunt object. Though Tyner survived the attack, she sustained debilitating injuries and was never able to properly identify her attacker. She spent the majority of the rest of her life in an insane asylum. On May 23, 1875, Piper committed his last and perhaps most heinous crime, the one that gave him his moniker, the Boston Belfry Murderer. After a mass at Warren Avenue Baptist Church, where he worked, Piper lured a five-year-old girl named Mabel Young to its belfry tower. He promised to show her the pigeons roosting. When he got her alone, Piper beat Young over the head with a bat. Presuming the girl was dead, he attempted to sexually assault her. When he realized that she was still alive, however, he moved her body to a more discreet location and fled the scene. Mabel Young died from her injuries the following day, but the crime brought down Piper, too. Witnesses saw him fleeing the tower. Detectives quickly brought Piper in for questioning, and on January 31, 1876, over two years after he murdered Bridget Landrigan, he stood trial for the murder of Mabel Young. Though at first he denied all allegations, Piper later confessed to Young's murder. When lawyers asked if he had anything else to confess, he admitted to murdering Bridget Landrigan and assaulting Mary Tyner, as well as several acts of arson. He gave no indication of the motivation behind his crimes and stated that he did not know how he came to commit them. This made it easy for the press to sensationalize the story, suggesting Piper was overwhelmed by his thirst for blood. Little to no correlation was drawn between his violence and the influence of the drugs Piper habitually ingested. The onus was placed on Piper's nature alone. When the trial ended, Thomas Piper was found guilty of his crimes and sentenced to death. Though he tried to appeal his sentence, he was unsuccessful. On May 26, 1876, Piper was hanged in front of a crowd of more than 300 onlookers. His body is buried in Mount Hope Cemetery. Thomas Piper has since been suspected of a number of other crimes committed in the area between 1874 and 1875, including the rape of a young woman on the same night as Bridget Landrigan's murder. But Piper's official confession was not released to the public. A judge granted his family's request that it remain private in order to not further promote the gruesome tragedies. Today, the brutal crimes of Thomas Piper live on in books like A Bat in the Belfry by B.A. Ellis and Tales Live On in Local Lore. Kids still trade stories of the unspeakable crimes committed by a bloodthirsty child killer who might still haunt the towers of nearby churches.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you're interested in more stories like this one, check out our podcast, Serial Killers. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 